0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great. We are busy talking about this um, very simple yet profound topic, and it was the prayer of Moses. Moses cried out to God. He says, God, I want to know your glory. Show me your glory. And um, I think a lot of people, especially more in the type of charismatic, more lively type of churches, we sing about the glory of God and, and yet we have got no clue because sometimes we, um, we think that entertainment is equal to gl- God's glory and it's, it's not. We, we're so used to being entertained and we become consumers. But to be a Christian means that you are against the culture and the norm of the day. Um, not that everything in every culture is bad. There are some stuff that can be redeemable. There's some great traditions. There's some great stuff, you know, eating together as a family and not sitting in front of the television. There's just so many great things that you can do together. But we are not South African Christians. We are Christians, point. I mean, you're, you're a Christian. You're first a citizen of heaven before you're a citizen of a different country. Maybe you're from Zimbabwe. Maybe you're from Namibia, the land flowing with milk and biltong. eh? Doesn't matter where you come from, but hey, you are first a citizen of heaven if you belong to God. And that's why um, there's a group of Christians in the world, especially in the West, that are Sort of trying to use the Lord and say, God, come and bless me. And once you bless me and once you give me a degree and once you come through for me, then I will serve you. And there's another group of Christians that say, Lord, we, everything about us is for your glories, is to let your name be known. And so Isaiah saw this and we looked at it this, this last week when he opened up and he saw what the angels were singing. They said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So Isaiah saw the picture of God, saw the throne room of God. And the angels are singing that. The angel says the whole earth, not just the heaven, everything is full of God's glory. And the glory talks about a couple of things, but the weight or the splendor of his manifold presence and perfection. Some people talk about the glory of God and tonight we're going to dig a little bit deep. So you need to to listen and you need to be in it uh, because we're going to just look at a, a specific passage. But the presence and perfection of God. I like what John Piper says. So God's glory is the radiance of his holiness, the radiance of his manifold, infinitely worthy and valuable perfections. Now all the free state Afrikaans people lost us completely, you know, half of the words like, what is that, you know? Yeah. Infinitely manifold. Yeah. But it's 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 God's radiance. And and even if you see most people that had an encounter with God in scripture, they were actually even physically blinded. They were they couldn't see God in his fullness because even your natural being as a person cannot see God fully. You'll die. I'll die. We don't have the capacity. So God would many times hide himself, for God would, would come and he says, well, look here, I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to you so that you can see my heart. You can." And he also had to some, almost give up part of that, not perfection, but sort of hide himself to sort of try to tell us, look here, I've got a heart for you. I want to I reconcile you back to me by sending my son. But there's the splendor of his presence. Now, we get tricked as the church when we think that, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, Go to church and then experience God there while there's so much more to his presence than just the experience. So, so don't build your life as a Christian, and especially if you're a young Christian, just on experience. Build it on the word of God. And we saw last week that God's presence is with us all the time. Yeah, His, his presence is omnipresent, meaning that wherever you go, when you walk into class tomorrow or in that test, he's there with you. You don't need to pray it like this, oh Lord, please be with me that's not a scriptural prayer if you understand God's glory. He is with you, I mean, so, oh Lord, if please, please come and show your oh Lord, please, please, as if we have to tune on the Lord, you know, and um I've told this story before, but it's one of those moments that I thought this must be the end of the earth. life must end right now because we were sitting in Nigeria and uh I had this dream to go and listen to Umarina Panka preach, so we got a lot of saving together, and we flew up there. And he, you know, he's an evangelist in Africa, and that specific outreach was quite a small one. There was only one million people there in the one e- per evening. Okay, he had meetings for, of up to 2.5 million people in one gathering, and so so I, I was like thinking, Jesus. Angels, Moses, Reinhard Punker. hes somewhere between Moses and Reinhard. So I, I almost like idol worshipped a little bit because I just thought, like, if if I can just be there, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna catch the anointing, and I'm gonna, it's gonna rub off on me, and and then I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach it, you know, and um and so you know, it's we can learn a lot from people, but no person in this earth can give to you what God wants to give to you. Amen? please never look to the pastor or the person in front here because I cannot, I didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. And he gives the gifts to the church. Not the fancy church or the fancy worship or anything, but so here I went. And so now we're five guys and the team with Reinhard Bunker. we're sitting there in Lagos, Nigeria. There's a million people coming. And just before we we had to go out, we uh, could pray. And so Reinhard said, oh, okay, you're the leader of the team, so... I want you to pray, so I thought like, "Whoa, you know, sure, it's my turn, you know." <laughs> so I say, "Lord, come down, bring down your fire, let your fire fall." I, I even I even tried to use Reynard's accent, you know. I, I even tried to like talk, thought like do a bit of a German because he's a German guy with some African mix, and I thought like, "Bring it down, Lord, bring it down," you know. And so yeah, I'm praying and I'm 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 praying my heart out every passion that I can, I just want to be passionate, and I say, Lord, we're in it together, and the next moment, in the middle of my prayer, when Reinhard says, no, we don't pray like that, and I thought, Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit now, <laughs> Lord, take me out, take, let, let it be the end of the world, I cannot believe, I'm praying my heart out, and here, my hero in the faith stops me in the middle of my prayer. Yeah, And now we're all sitting there, everyone is opening their eyes and it's like, awkward, <laughs> awkward, you know, what's going to happen now, you know? And I'm thinking, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm dying, I've, I'm just dead now, right now, you know? I'm hidden in Christ, Lord, I'm covered in Christ, you know? I'm more than an overcomer in Christ, you know? So if you go to Lagos, Nigeria, in, there's an old hotel there, you know, my half of my ego is still there somewhere, I've, I've, I've lost it completely, but so... So then he proceeded, yeah, he stopped me in the middle of my prayer and he said, we don't pray for God to come down when God is already here. And I'm thinking like, oh, doctrine changes a little bit, yeah. And then he said, pray again. And I thought, oh no, <laughs> And then I just quoted every scripture. Thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die. I, I just, I didn't even put an end in between. I just prayed scripture. Because I thought, like, you can't rebuke me on scripture. Amen. <laughs> no no feelings, no emotions. Just straight, straight from the Bible, yeah? Everyone that I memorized, you know, so. <clears throat> but there I listened, to, uh, learned a valuable lesson, you know. Sometimes we like switching God on and off. We, we think it's like, we, we can do that, you know. But God is attracted to a holy people, to a hungry people, to a people that are looking for him and searching for him. Say, God, we are not satisfied with what the world gives us. We're not satisfied with entertainment. We're not satisfied just to fill our lives when we know that your presence is our exceedingly great reward. You being with us, you're more than enough. But we get bored with God because we get lied to. We get lied to by entertainment and all that stuff because it's just going to fool you a little bit. And so we looked at Second Peter 1 verse 17, for you received from God the Father honor, that's now Jesus, and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God spoke over Jesus' life. He spoke identity over his own son. I remember Jesus was, in a sense, born illegitimately. He was, imagine people going around, especially the Jewish nation, saying, well, you you don't even have a father. Your father and mother wasn't, like, together. So so you, you're obviously illegitimate. You're, you're obviously born out of wedlock. You're obviously, ooh, khuna, adultery, fornication, everything that you can think of. You are the worst one. Now, Jesus walked around with that label on his life. And so the moment when he got baptized, There are three times that God the Father spoke audibly in Jesus' time here on earth. And the first time was from heaven. And he said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's crazy if you think about that because Jesus has not done one miracle, prayed for one sick person. He was only a carpenter searching for God. There's only actually one verse that really talks about Jesus' life up until that point. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. It says, and he grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with man and in stature. I want to grow in favor with God. Because Jesus was through his life, even when his parents were going, he was in the temple. He was searching for God. He was hungry for God. He was. He said, God, you are my reward. You, It's not the, just the breakthrough. It's to know the God of the breakthrough. Amen? And so we are being lied to many times by this entertainment thing. And so... Greatness, magnificent majesty was given to him. And that's why in Second Corinthians 3, we saw last week, verse 17 to 18, you can go and study it. It says we are being transformed from glory to glory. And so I spoke about this this morning. But when you realize that my life, my my body, my whole life becomes a conduit of the presence of God. I become a, a carrier of the Lord's fullness in my life the hope of glory inside of me, it's it's the presence of God, Jesus coming to live inside of me and I become righteous because he's forgiven me, I'm set free, then nothing on the outside can actually give me any sense of identity. My identity is in Christ. You know, every person wants to belong somewhere, you want to get affirmed, you want people to say, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're great. But stop looking for people. Look to what God says about you first. Because suddenly then you become somebody that surrendered to God and his presence begins to dwell with you in your family, in your relationships. Suddenly it's like, wow, we are a holy people. We, we, we're different. And so listen to this, what Paul writes in Second Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And he's talking about our spiritual life. You're a new spiritual being. So once you get born again, you are a new spiritual being. Yes, your soul needs to be renewed and you still need to go through renewing of the mind and there's still some old habits that needs to change. And that's why salvation is then a process. But being born again, that moment when you say yes to Jesus, wow, your spirit is made alive to God. And suddenly you're from a different tribe. You're from a different citizen. You're a different citizen. And this is what he says. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And therefore he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So suddenly you begin to realize that when I walk into that faculty tomorrow or into that business or wherever I am, I've got a ministry and it's called the ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile people back to God. And I become the sent one. I become, and later on in the next verse, it talks about you are then an ambassador for Christ. You become to say, look here, I come to represent God to the people. But the challenge lies in this one little thing, holiness. Because we don't want to hear that. God is attracted to holiness because he is in essence holy. He loves But his character is sovereign, holy, perfect. And therefore, the more you live a separate life, a holy life unto God, the more God's presence is attracted. The more God begins to use you. Why? Because he can trust you. The question is not always, can you trust God? The question is, can God trust you and me? And that's why I believe God has to hold back a lot on miracles and the supernatural. Because the supernatural will actually destroy us if the vessel is contaminated. That's why God says, be holy as I'm holy. I'm inviting you. I'm, I'm saying, come. I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. I've, I've, I, I want you to, to show the world that there's a bridge between God and mankind again. And it comes through the presence of God. It comes when you walk into that place or in that faculty and you can speak peace to that place. You can pray into that place. You can say, Lord, thank you that you are here. Now, Lord, oh, please help me. <laughs> you know, I'm writing exams. Have you noticed? Yeah. And then we, we sometimes pray out of um fear, you know. Oh, God, you know, have you noticed that it's not going well in Petronello's life? You know, uh, Lord, have, have you, uh, you know, See, it's not going so well with him, you know, but but, Lord, have you noticed it seems like you're not looking towards this situation, and then we sort of almost want to remind God as if he doesn't know, you know, what's going on in that life. Or we pray out of fear, or we mainly pray because we want to be comfortable. And I quoted it this morning, but I think it was John G. Lake, he's, he wrote, and he said, if you are a Christian and you are looking for happiness, then rather go and... Okay, don't quote me on that and don't go and do that, okay? (laughs) Because God is not mainly interested in your comfort and in my comfort. He's not interested in your comfort. So stop praying for your comfort. Pray to become Christ-like. And so we're going to look at what Paul writes in Ephesians. And Ephesians is this amazing book on... Our identity in Christ, and he starts in verse chapter 1 and chapter 2, talking about who we are in Christ. If you just go through the book of Ephesians, it was written to a group of churches. Colossians is almost like a duplicate of Ephesians. It was more written to specific people. But Ephesians was a letter that was given around to a group of churches. And so uh, Paul writes and he starts about this place. He says, you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's talking about an identity and authority that we as Christians can occupy. And he says, look, I'm inviting you to this place of, of realizing that, that you need to know that you are a spiritual being and you're not of this world. And then he talks about the church and he talks about the, the place that the church and the Christians should occupy. And he, and he invites them and says, you have no clue, he says, as to who you really are in Christ. But if you are just going to conform to this world, if you're going to just listen to what the world says and the opinion of the world, then, then you're going to be short selled You're going to, the, the devil wants to bring the quick fixes to you. And, and the, Jesus said it, he's like a thief in the night. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life in abundance in John 10 verse 10. But you know what, you never know when a thief comes to steal. A thief comes and is looking at a place or something, or or maybe a moment where you are not aware or you're not watchful. The thief doesn't just walk up to you and walk into your life and say, I'm gonna steal something tonight, between 10 and 12. I'm gonna break into your home. Please go to the restaurant. Please, please just go and eat out, but, but make it a long, eat a lot of pudding, because between 10 and 12, I'm going to come and thief you, okay? I'm going to take your stuff. A robber comes and he faces you, and he says, I'm going to mug you, give what you have. Gun in your face, but a thief is different. A thief comes through the back door or through the kitchen window that's open, or a thief comes at a time when, you don't expect it. And that's why the devil is very sly. He wants to be the father. He is the father of lies. So he's going to tell you, no, 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 just just watch that porn. Because you know what? It's not really harm, you know? It's just it's just not going to... Just watch that stuff and just spend all your time in that. And, and then he'll he'll just come and, and come through the back door and he steals that stuff. And so Paul writes in this amazing... 13 verses, we're going to look at them, 14 verses. He says, and he's writing from prison. So <clears throat> it's different when you are sitting at Sun City with your pineapple drinks, and you're talking about the glory of God. Okay? Sitting in the Maldives, I've always had, wanted to go on a mission trip to Maldives. I know one day I'll go. I mean, it's apparently a lot of people that need the Lord's salvation, you know? Seychelles, I don't know, all those other places, yeah? But we must send teams there and I'll, I'll be the first one to go. But so, uh, he's not writing from the Maldives, you know, sitting there on his five-star hotel, looking out on the beach and he says, you are so great in Christ. He's writing from prison. Most of his letters were from prison. And This is what he's writing. He says, to me who I'm less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Say, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Whoa. He says, when you start searching, you're never going to stop. You're never going to find an end to the riches of which you have in Jesus. He says, and I, although I'm this Jew, and the, the natural thing is that I would be called to the Jews, and I wanted to go to the Jews many times. God has called me to the Gentiles. And for Peter, who was more a Gentile type of person, God sends him to the Jews. (laughs) He says like, hey, I'm going to just do stuff a little bit different because I don't want your strength. And so Paul comes from this place and he says, I'm really nothing. I'm the least not just of the apostles. I'm the least of all the Christians that's living. So that was the position that he comes from. That's how he saw this position in comparison to who God was. And so maybe you're sitting here tonight and you think like, oh, God is never going to use me. Oh, then you're in the right place. (laughs) Because maybe you feel like the least of all the saints, but God chooses the least of all the saints. (laughs) And so he says this, that I can preach among the Gentiles and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God and who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, this this is the challenge. What does entertainment do? Entertainment, and I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, is there's like this attention engineers in Silicon Valley. There's people that are being paid. And what they're paid for is to grab your attention, to make sure that on the phone or whatever you do is to get a like, get a click. And so, so we're almost conditioned to go for the quick stuff, the instant stuff, the quick stuff. But when it comes to the things of God, there is no quick stuff. The Bible talks about a mystery and that God hides himself in a mystery and those who search for him will find him. That's why it says, seek, ask, knock, and you will find Matthew 7 verse 7. Seek, ask, knock. It means that that God loves you to discover. And he's created something inside of you to say, yes, I want to know that. I want to know God. But the devil robs you to make you just quick clicks, quick fixes, quick stuff quick drive-through, quick, all that stuff. But there's no quick fixes in the kingdom of God. Sorry. There's nothing instant. Because in the process of you searching, you will open up and surrender your heart. And this is what he says. There's a mystery. There's a fellowship of this mystery, the mystery of the ages. He talks about that many times. He says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplish in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whoa, what a mouthful. (laughs) He says this mystery, once we discover this mystery, God is going to reveal it, not just to the earth, but once the church begins to realize what this Christ is and who Christ is, it's going to manifest to the powers and the principalities, to the spiritual realm out there as to who God is. But the church is God's answer, you and I, as we begin to search for him. He says he's going to make it manifold. And and so even the angels are going to be sometimes a bit confused when you and I begin to step into our identity and authority in Christ. Are you with me? Okay, so he's laying the foundation. He says there's so much more. He says, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so, so we're just busy starting. Okay, it's like one sentence, and I don't know how Paul wrote all of it because he's not taking a breath. Okay? And so he says, if... If you start to discover this mystery in whom, he says, you're going to need boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. He says, you need to, you need to enter into that place because there's a confidence to approach God. That's what Jesus has done. There's a boldness. There's a, a faith as you come to him. And he encourages them in verse 13. He says, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. He says, even my suffering. I, I, I don't just wish it away, but my own suffering here in prison, the stuff that I'm going through is so that you can discover God's presence and his perfection in your life. No, 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 but, but God, doesn't, God doesn't do stuff like that. You know, God doesn't put people in prison. Go to China today. Most pastors don't go to theology school. You can't actually be a pastor in many countries in the Middle East if you haven't been to prison for at least three years. That's your theory. He says, don't lose heart. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in the heaven and earth is named. Now he begins to speak over them. And there are five things that he speaks over them. And we're going to pray over each other tonight as we're going to take communion together. He says, That according to the riches of his glory, I'm praying these five things over you, he says. Now, I've I've spoken about all these big spiritual stuff and that the church is the answer for God's end time kingdom to come. Not individuals, the church, the family of God. I'm a strong believer in the local church. If you don't belong to this church, then go to a life-giving church. Serve there because that's God's answer to reveal his glory to the world out there and especially to the spiritual world that's what paul writes but he says that you be strengthened so the first thing that he prays for that you be strengthened with my three spirit in your inner man he says because as you're gonna as you're gonna pursue this glory and the presence of god you're gonna need a lot of strength in your inner man because you know what your flesh says no spirit of way come over me yeah spirit of the snooze button you yeah? know you know, Spirit of Kentucky, KFC, you yeah? know, there's a lot of stuff that wants to draw you away from God. Sometimes it's even a relationship, just the companionship of relationship. A lot of people are so desiring, you know, and I want to say to you tonight, if you're single here, enjoy and embrace your singlehood. Okay, Amen. I'm not saying marriage is bad. It's great. But marriage will not fulfill you. If you are empty and you're looking for that in marriage, then just become content as to where you're at. Just worship the Lord and say, Lord, you're enough for me. And I know it's tough for some people because you think like, oh, I have this expectation that when I get married, then life is going to happen. And then the guy and the girl come together in church. And they spend so much time together and they forget about God. And I think like, you're living together as like, or, you, or you, you're coming together like as if you're married. You're not married. You're just good friends. Until you put the ring on the finger, then covenant comes. And then you get all the benefits of that covenant. Amen. Some of the ladies are saying, yes, preach it, pastor. Yeah. There's a guy here. He's not here tonight, so I can pick on him. But he's got a job now in Cape Town, you know. And his lady is still here. She's working here. And I was talking to this guy. And and, and sort of he sort of mentioned in this comment that this lady must maybe also move to Cape Town because he's now starting to work there. I went to the lady. I said to her, no ways. Proof is in the pudding. You stay single until... The rock of all ages has appeared to you, you know? It's a rock that proves his steadfast love towards you. Amen? And all the ladies say amen, okay? (laughs) All the guys are beginning to sweat. (laughs) They just see all the numbers going up, you know? And it is expensive. Hallelujah, you need a lot of faith, okay? But rejoice in your singlehood, you know? Don't ever let the blessing or the person take the place of Christ in your life. It's so easy. We pray for the breakthrough and then the breakthrough comes and then we forget about God. So Paul writes, he says, I pray that you be strengthened with might. Might is even physical power. It's a spirit of might, physical power in your inner man that you become a spiritual person. The charismatic church in the West especially out of America, sorry Americans, is the most superficial church in the world at the moment. Very wide, but very shallow. Most Christians in America only pray for two minutes. They have no prayer life. There's no spiritual hunger for God. But we want God to bless us. We want God to come through for us. And he says, this is it. I want you to to be strengthened with might in your inner man for this, that Christ, he says, may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ wants to occupy your life. He wants to come and dwell with you. He wants to come and show himself in you and then through you so that there's a revelation to the world that Christ is alive. And this is what he's praying. He says, you need strength for that because there's a whole culture, there's a whole world that says just consume, consume, consume. Be an individual. And he says, I pray for your spiritual man. that you, I want to give you meat, he said, but I can only give you milk, he says, because, hey, he basically says, grow up. <laughs> Stop being entitled. Stop demanding. You know, I, I used to, when I just got saved, I used to be very stupid. The first thing that I tried to do is, I, I thought, like, I have a revelation to sort out the church. The second thing is I thought like, God, if you don't do this, I pointed my finger. Oh my khona. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that, you know. And they never pray, Lord, please humble me. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Tip of the day, tip of the day, okay. Chicken nugget of the day. Don't pray, Lord, please humble me. Okay. You humble yourself, scripture says. Amen. So this is what he's prayed that through faith that Christ might dwell in your heart, that you understand this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Then he says, being rooted and grounded in love. God wants you to be rooted down deep so that it doesn't matter what the storm, if the storm comes or there's stuff happening against your life or there's a lot of things blowing against your life, or what people say against you, you are rooted. You're not just withering away by if stuff doesn't go your way. He says, I I pray that you be rooted and grounded in his love. And then the fourth thing he says, that you may be able to comprehend with all the other saints, with everyone else, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So he's praying, he's talking to spiritual people and he's saying, I pray that God will grant these things, that he will give these things, that you actually become a spiritual church again that you actually become disciple makers, that you actually walk into a place where you stop just going from this side to that side because the wind is blowing you all around and that all that stuff, you know? Now, remember, we were once in Varanasi up in northern parts of India. Now, Varanasi is the holy city of Hinduism and Buddhism and a lot of religions. But if you go to the river Ganges, they believe that everything is holy and it's very dirty. It's very dirty. It's the highest form of cholera you find in Varanasi in the Ganges River that flows through this town, the city. So they burn all the corpses there so it smells like crazy. It smells like flesh burning. But now we decided we're going to go on a boat to the other side. So here we go. But the only problem is, is they throw the corpses of people that have died into the river because they believe that it they, then you go straight to Hindu heaven or something, or you come back as a better whatever, you know, incarnation. Reincarnation. And so so here we go on this little boat. So I asked this Hindu guy that's taking us on this little boat. I said, like, you the river is very dirty. He says to me, No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's not the river that is dirty. It is the dirt in the river that is dirty. The river is very clean. I'm thinking like, that really makes sense. It's not the river that is dirty. It's the dirt in the river that is dirty. It's just the river is clean, but the dirt in the river is dirty. I'm thinking like, okay, that makes sense. very spiritual, but I'm trying to figure that one out, you know. So here we go on this little boat. And the next moment, but now there's so much cholera, so all of us are just standing up straight and praying and saying, Jesus help, Jesus save. We just want to get to the other side. We felt like the disciples in the boat going to the other side. And the next moment, there's like this bang, bang, bang on the boat. And i go like to the, I look across and I think, and there's this person floating there because it's the hand of the person. I'm grossing everyone out. Okay, but so, poof, poof, poof. And I made the mistake of telling people like, Oh, somebody's knocking on the door. <laughs> you know. And then everybody came to look over this side. And then the next moment, everybody just went to the other side, you know, of the boat. And here goes the boat. Whoa. And here comes the splashing of the water. Then everybody goes to the other side. And, and then and all the girls are just going, Ah! You know? And all the guys are going, You know, I don't know what, what people, do, what the guys just go inward, you know? If they panic. So here we panic and the boat is going, like, you know because somebody came knocking on the door i don't know why they're oh this is why i'm telling the story stop interrupting me there at the back but so that's how many christians are going like we see something and then we're like ooh, 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 ooh. and oh the devil is doing this and then oh he's behind that bush and oh ooh, ooh, ooh. you know and then we're like oh ah, you know i don't know how you scream but it's all different yeah but so he says i want you to be rooted But you know the love of God? The love of God passes knowledge. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, the love of God is so much stronger and greater than what you can try to figure out with your brain. That's what he says. (laughs) Okay. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm very sorry to break the news to you, but your brain is very small. There are some people that are enjoying this too much. Some of the couples that are going out and married, I told you. I told you. All the married men are saying... Yeah, every day I ask my wife, where's the keys of the car? Where did you see my wallet? We're always searching. We're always searching, you know, for something, but it's always our wallet or our keys of our car or something we've forgotten here. But he basically says, if if you want to encounter God, you cannot come to him just by trying to figure out in your mind. Because if your understanding of the love of God is just going to be about, oh, he loves me. Loves me not, or oh, it's just going to be about the experience. You're not rooted in that love, you're going to be thrown. That's what he prays. He says, I want you to be rooted, and I want you to your mind cannot even comprehend. So, how do you get to that place? Is you need to surrender, you need to give yourself over and say, Yes, God, the love of Christ passes knowledge. And if I understand that love, then I will be filled with the fullness of God. I want to be full with the fullness of God. I want to be a walking temple. I want to be a holy people. That when I walk, shadows will heal people. That's what we see in the book of Acts. But it came at a great cost. It came at a great cost because those people had to deny the pressures, the fears, the comfort zones. If you read the Bible and you realise, like, what God called these group of people to, He says, "Hey, go make disciples of all the world." Uh, there's just one problem: all the Jews want to kill all of you. You're probably going to die in this process. But I've got a have got I've got some good news. Just go to that little room there in Jerusalem. they there, where they killed me. Just just go back there. What, Jesus? You can't. You got crucified just outside of Jerusalem. How can you ask me to go back there? 500 received the instruction, but only 120 went up. Because not everybody says yes. But the invitation was for all 500. And so he ends off. How many of you have heard of Kanye West? You know? We have our own Kanya West here in church. Have you got that video clip? Close on Sunday. You my Chick fil Close on Sunday. You my Chick fil <laughs> Hold the selfies. Okay, Villiers is going to forgive uh, my shay later, okay? It was definitely my idea. It was definitely my idea. When I saw this video clip, I just wanted to. <laughs> but he's like this famous rapper that got saved, and now he's just like king. The king of God is the king. Now you can just now you can just go around, and people are like, oh, is this really real? You know, Kanye preaching the gospel. You know, Filio. I've I've been practicing those moves. You know. It's like apparently you should flow into it. you should f- flow in into it, you know. <laughs> you know, those of you who don't know Velio, he's one of our student pastors, but he's the he can rap, he can speak nine languages. He's just sent from the Lord. Hallelujah. But so I'll send Kanya to him to get some lessons. But in any case, so in verse twenty he talks about this, he says. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. God has got no plan B. The church is his plan A. And he invites you and me to say, Lord, come and do exceedingly abundantly. When we ask according to your will. Because there's a power at work in us. It's not a new age or a Hindu or a Buddhistic thing where you have to like empty yourself. Because all that meditation is about emptying. And the more you empty yourself, the more. But God says, come, I want to fill you. I want to fill you. And there's going to come a glory to him. To God be the glory in the church through Jesus. And so many of us are short-selled. So many of us are lied to because we opt for events. We opt for a little fix here. Come to church, just get like, oh, I feel good. But you don't know that you have been called to be a citizen of heaven. You've been called for a purpose. And so in chapter 4, he goes on. He says, therefore, either the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all humility and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in that love that I just spoke about, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Then he goes on and it talks very personal to them. But he says, I want you to walk worthy of that calling, the calling to be somebody that carries the presence of God into my workplace, into my faculty, wherever I go. And that's what sin does. Sin just robs you from being that vessel of glory. God will not share his glory, but he will bring his presence and he wants to manifest his presence in you and through you. There's no superstars in the kingdom. I mean, just ordinary people saying, God, I'm saying yes to that calling. I'm saying yes to work, to walk worthy of that calling. So I'm sometimes challenged, and this is just a personal challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm challenged to call us a charismatic church because of all the isms and all the fringe benefits and all the other stuff that people go for. I'd rather want to call us a restoration church, a church that looks at the book of Acts and say, God, we want to live in that space. We want to live a life of no compromise. Walk worthy of the calling of God. Becomes in such a place where the glory of God manifests in our presence when we come together because we understand the love of God that binds us together. It's not about you being better than me and I'm competing with you or with the church down the street or anything. It's all about that unity of we have one contention. It's to see the perfection of and the presence of God manifest in our town, on our campus. And so God is calling up an army. God is saying, hey, come. Yes, but Lord, I've got all these needs. And yes, I'm the least, Lord. I'm, I, I, I have all these excuses. But God says, are you hungry enough? I want to show you more. That's God's invitation. So I want the ushers, as we're going to take up, give out the communion and the band come up, we're going to just spend two or three minutes Preparing our hearts for this one thing and say, God, show us your glory. But don't pray that as a cheap prayer, please. Don't pray that just because, hey, I can continue with my life as is. There's some stuff you need to say no to. I always thought like God is a a, a spoil sport, you know, because, oh, you know, Look at how the world has got a party, and we as Christians must look as if we have—we drink prune juice every morning and very serious in the presence of God. <laughs> but see, that's where the lie is. Because sin just means to miss the mark, to miss God's purpose for your life. Sin means to trade something else that looks like it's glorious for the fullness of the presence of God. And this is what Paul contends for. He says, I pray that you be strengthened inside. I pray that you not just understand, not just try to have this grasp of the knowledge of the love of God, but that you comprehend, that you fully understand and are rooted in that love. Because if you know how much God loves you, and I know how much God loves me, nothing in this world will ever be able to tempt you because that's the only thing that will satisfy you. That's the fullness of God. That's what Paul writes and he contends for because this church is in this place where there's a lot of idol worship and a lot of prostitution and a lot of things are happening. Ephesians, that whole area was an area like us today where the world just wants to walk through the believers' lives. So he's contending. He says, I want you to be strong. But it's not something that you can just try in your mind. You can't psych yourself up tomorrow morning. The Holy Spirit must do that. Tonight we're going to take a moment and we're going to just say, Lord, Jesus died. And because of his death, there's a boldness and a confidence to come to him. By faith, I'm going to say yes to that calling. I'm going to say yes to that calling to glorify God. I'm going to say yes to that calling to be a holy people and to be separate and to be not different for being weird and not rejecting the world, but just realizing that I must tell the world that God sent His Son so that they can be reconciled back to Him. And you know, I was sitting with a guy here in, on the plane. once. We had a we had a soul winning society, so we would just go out on lunch. It wasn't a church program. Some of our friends just, we came together because we really wanted people to know God's presence. And so one of those guys came, went with me, Yaku, he's a pastor in, in Pretoria now. Pretoria. And, um, and so we went to this guy and he was sitting there with all of his science books and all this stuff. And as I went to sit next to him, I said to him, hey, who are you? And he, we started talking and he said to me straight, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And there's nothing that you can tell me that will persuade me. I thought, like, ooh, tough, tough one, you know? And so I saw Yaku was just nervous because he realized, like, oh, this. let's see what he does now, you know? What's ever going to happen? And then the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for him. I said, "Yah, maybe you don't know that there is a God, but I want to tell you that your mother that got diagnosed with an incurable disease this morning, And she told you about it. Do you know that God can heal her? He was sitting with this thick scientific book in his hand, and I'll never forget it. He just dropped it, fell to the ground. He said, Well, for the first time, I know that God exists. Because I was sitting here and I said, Well, maybe God exists, maybe He doesn't. And the next moment, somebody comes with the word God knows. God knows. God knows. You see, when you and I stop playing games, but we realize like, hey, I'm a sent one. I can reconcile people back to God, but it's not about my fancy words. It's not about my intellect. It's not about what people say about me. It's about a boldness I have before him because I know his love. I'm rooted. I'm grounded. So will you stand with me this